Corinthians chapter 9. Let's go and stand together in reverence to the word of God. We're going to pick up with verse number 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. The Bible says, For though I be, made, uh, be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without law, be not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we... An incorruptible, verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it unto, into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning. I thank you for the blessed privilege to stand behind this pulpit and, Lord, to stand uh, truly in your place this morning and to preach uh, the word of God. I pray that, Father, the words that come out of my mouth, Lord, the thoughts that go through my mind would be uh, what, what your son would have if he were standing in my place. Father, I pray that uh, the Holy Spirit of God would touch each and every heart in this room. Father, I pray that, uh, that there would be uh, not one single person who, who walks out of here without something today from your word. I pray that if there are those that are without Christ, that they've truly never become a child of God, that today would be the day of their salvation. Father, they'd not leave this room without Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And Father, I beg you for those that have claimed the name of Christ, that we would be strengthened and encouraged and convicted by your word. I ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. You have to forgive me, I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm deaf today, and so I don't know if I'm going to talk loud or quiet. Hopefully I'll find a happy medium, and uh, we'll do the best we can. Last week, um, we preached, I preached out of Philippians in chapter 3 about making an impact, and uh, we spoke about the importance of that and about making an impact for Christ. Before you can ever truly make an impact on anything or anybody, you must first <clears throat> make an impact in your own life. And just for lack of, I guess, uh, for going, I don't want to go back and revisit the entire message, but folks, if you won't buy what you're selling, why would anybody else? Do you understand what I'm saying? I think many times in Christianity, we, we talk about, you know, the pie in the sky and the big guy upstairs, and that's really about all the thought we've put into it, and then we expect somehow our life to make a difference. I'm sorry, if you're not going to appreciate and respect what you say you have, then why would anybody else? The one humanly who, most, uh, who must be impacted most by Christ in my life is me. Without that, my impact will be worldly and very possibly negative. It begins with my own life. And, and I, I, I hope you understand that. Uh, and I, again, I don't want to go back and revisit all of last week's message, but to lay a little groundwork for this week's, I need to do that. And folks, please understand the importance of having our life be impacted by Christ. My life must be touched by the Son of God. If it's not touched by the Son of God, my impact will be a very, very 
small, or if it's great, it's going to be a very negative impact. And I, I trust you, I, I, you get, grab hold of that. I, I hear statements all the time, uh, to thine own self be true. I read a story here just the other day and how, how the young lady as a child was given a little locket by her mother that, that said that. And folks, I, I understand, I think in essence, what mama meant, but i got to tell you, that's a stupid concept. Because to thine own self be true, you have some pretty crazy ideas. You have some pretty foolish ambitions. I've heard the statement, oh, be true to your heart. That's dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. Don't be true to your heart. See, your life needs to be impacted by Christ if you're ever going to truly make a difference in the world you live in. Another statement that, that, that I hear so often, oh, just, just, just follow your heart. And so many young people are told, oh, just, just follow your heart. Man, that, that, I'm sorry, you're challenged mentally if you believe that. Because if you follow your heart, you're going to end up in misery and problems. I can't tell you, oh, just, oh, you know, I'm some 16-year-old. I'm in love. Just follow your heart. Don't follow your heart, man. Listen to what mom and dad are telling you. Listen to what some godly adults are telling you. And I can almost promise you that 15-year-old girl that you are in love with right now, she ain't going to be the one you marry. Yes? I mean, I, I, folks, there might be a few of you in here that married your high school sweetheart. And praise God for that. If you're still together, you say, yeah, I married her, but we split up two years later, and I'm on my third wife. Well, yeah, more power to you. But there might be a few of you that married your high school sweetheart, but, folks, that doesn't happen an awful lot. And we get, we get into this, this lust cycle and we just follow what we want. Well, you've got to be careful because if you follow what you want, sooner or later you're going to find out that what you want ain't real good for you. Yeah? I mean, do you understand that? You say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a big somebody. You find out what being a big somebody is all about, you say it really wasn't worth it. And I hope that you understand what I'm trying to say this morning. So we need to let Christ first touch our own life and let him make an impact on us. And really the question is what will we do or what will I do with Christ? And then after he's gotten a hold of me, what will he do with my life? But secondly this week, last week we talked about making an impact in my life, letting Christ make an impact in my life. And we talked about stability and how Christianity needs some stability today. This week, I want to talk about making an impact in others, and it's, it's built upon last week's message. But the word I want to look at today is maturity. Last week, we were in Philippians 3. This week, we're in 1 Corinthians in chapter number 9. I want to make an impact in the life of others. Now, again, I, I don't think this is anything uncommon to anybody in this room. I don't know about you. I don't know about, about everybody in here, but I can honestly imagine that most of us in this life would like to make some sort of an impact in somebody else's life. Yes? I mean, I'm sorry. At my funeral, I would like some people to come up behind the podium or to come up behind the pulpit and share a testimony that says, that man affected my life for good. I sure hope that's the case. I hope when, when that opportunity is given that people will want to say, that man did something for me, that man cared about me, that person loved me enough to help me along life's way, and I appreciate that, and I will remember them fondly until the day that I go home because they impacted my life for Christ. I believe that all of us in this room want to make an impact on others. Now, last week in Philippians 3, we read about Paul's life testimony, and I'm not going to go back there and revisit all that, but he shared where he came from, all right? Paul's testimony is beautiful. Now, we got down there about halfway through our passage last week, and we saw that Paul said he counted it all but lost for Christ, all right? He said, I counted as dung. He said, it's nothing to me. He said, my goal is Christ. That's my cause. He said, that's why I live. 
What a beautiful testimony. Now, in 1 Corinthians 9, we read his life's ministry. Now, I personally believe that Paul, by birth and by upbringing, was what we would call a little highbrow. And by the way, that's what many of us seek to be today. But Paul's ministry was many times to those who were not highbrow, but instead what in today's vernacular would be coined white trash. You see, Paul was able to reach people for Christ. And I've heard this passage in 1 Corinthians 9 preached on in many different ways and taken many different, and many, with many different ideas. But folks, I believe that Paul in this passage is sharing with us that he was all things to all men to reach some with the gospel. And what he means by this, what I truly believe, is that Paul could talk to all classes of society and not only be at home with them, but make them feel at home with him. And I believe that's a great deal of maturity. You see, though he was freeborn, though he did have a great education, Though he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, though he was by the law blameless, as we saw in Philippians 3 last week, that was not how he acted. And I think today some of us desire to be better and we desire to be higher. And I don't, I don't mean that we necessarily look down on others, but we desire to reach to the stratosphere of society and be somebody. And in so doing, we really forget that the impact we make is going to be gauged on if we are able to communicate to those people that God puts into our life. And, and again, for illustration purposes, we have the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan, by all by, by, by all all concept was the last man in the world that should help the beat down Jew laying in the ditch bleeding to death. I mean, the Jews' own countrymen, own religious men, walked by that Jew and ignored him. The Samaritan, by nature, was a man who had a personal grudge against the Jewish people. The Jewish people looked down on the Samaritans. They considered them to be half-breeds. But the Samaritan said, it's not about this guy. It's about my life's ministry, and I have the opportunity to reach a human being that is down and out, and I will get down there in the muck and in the dirt and in the blood and I will feel at home with him and I will make him feel at home with me and I will go out of my way to take care of this man so that I, by the grace of God, may reach some with the gospel. And I believe that's what Paul is trying to get across here. He says, hey, to the Jew, I'm a Jew. To the high, I'm the high. To the low, I'm the low. To the weak, I am the weak. To the one without the law, I am without the law. And he makes it very plain that he's not going to give up his testimony. But he says, my ministry is to reach all with the gospel so that I may gain some. He was all things to all men to reach some with the gospel. This morning, I want to look at the word maturity. Paul was a mature man. Number one concerning maturity this morning. Maturity understands the big picture. Maturity understands the big picture. Paul's ministry was not him, but the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's ministry was not self-centered, but Christ in him, the hope of glory. And my friend, if you want to make an impact in somebody else's life, I want to tell you this right now, it cannot be about you. 
Some of us today need to give up our childish ambitions of what we want and become a big picture person. Too much of our culture, too much of our society has truly centered on me. And folks, I got to tell you, you will never impact someone else's life when your whole life centers around you. Got too many people today saying, well, well, I, I, I want, I need, I crave, I lust. Shut up. In Jesus' name. Does that help you now? Okay. Oh, thank goodness. Folks, I'm serious about this. If you want to impact others' life, and we all do, but our problem is, is we want everybody else to look at us and say, oh, isn't he special? I'm sorry. Folks, how many of us in this room really enjoy going by somebody and say, oh, let me, let's, I'd like to talk about Mike Reed and how great Mike is. You know, Mike's the best guy. Hey, why don't you tell me how great Mike is? I'm sorry. After a while, we're all going to get sick and tired of hearing about Mike Reed, and somebody's going to say, well, what about somebody else? It's not all about Mike Reed. And I can say that about Mike Reed because last week he showed me that it's not all about him when he didn't get offended that I missed his special. See, there's a big picture. And, folks, i got to tell you, in a big picture, there are many elements that make up the picture. Nobody is going to be the central attraction in the Christian life. That was already taken by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what we need to understand is that we are a part of the process to get others to Christ. And the picture is not going to be about me. The picture is going to be about the Lord. And I need to understand that my life is a part of getting others to Him. My life is not about me and what I can get out of it. And folks, i got to tell you, this is maturity. See, maturity is when a mom and a daddy say, hey, it isn't important what we want to do on a Saturday night now. What's important is that we have children and that we spend the time with them. I talked to somebody the other day, and they're a parent and good parent. But they were saying, well, we, we just don't have time to spend with our kids. You know, we're just so busy nowadays. Folks, do you honestly believe that everybody else in the history of mankind wasn't busy? Do you understood do you, do, you understand, do you understand? I'll get my English yeah, right here sooner or later. Okay, do you understand that once upon a time in our nation's history, when dad went to work, he went to work at sunlight? Yep. And he came home at sunset. Now, this time here, that's great because that's about 12 hours. Give it about five and a half months, and we got about 18 hours. Now, folks, what I want you to understand is that was their work day. Nowadays, if somebody works more than eight hours, it's almost like killing them. Oh, oh my word, I worked an eight and a half hour day. I'm so tired. I'm going to have to watch four hours of TV tonight. I'm sorry. People have always been busy. Do you know what running water was 75 years ago? That's when you ran down to the well and got it. I'm sorry. Folks, we've always been busy. There have always been time constraints on our lives. And today, though, we say, well, we're just, you know, we're just a, a technological society. Well, I know those technologies are there to free up your time, not to dominate your time. I like running water. I do. I like going to the falls and go, I like flushing the toilet and watch. I mean, I, really, I don't watch it. I'm thankful it goes down. Yes? Folks, I'm very thankful for the modern conveniences that we have. But 
folks, people have always been busy. And to say, well, well, you just don't understand. No, I do understand. But what some of us need to grasp is we need to grasp a big picture, grow up a little bit, and say, hey, let's, let's, just, let's just face the facts. I got responsibilities that God has put on my shoulders, and it's about time I accept the responsibilities, and I'm accountable for what God has done in my life. That's big picture. That's maturity. Paul was a big picture guy. He understood that not everybody was going to get saved, but he did recognize the fact that the more people he took the gospel to, not just the Jews, not just the Gentiles, he took the gospel to everybody he could reach. He understood that by taking it to everybody he could reach, he might gain some for Christ. And folks, this morning I wonder, are we a big picture person? Secondly, maturity is temperate in all things. Maturity is temperate in all things. In verse 24, we are told that we run in a race. That's what life is. I'm tired of running in the race. Amen? Anybody else kind of weary right now? I think we all are. But we run in a race. And the Bible says that. It says, so run that ye may obtain. Life is not, and folks, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Life is not a sprint. Life is a marathon. All right? And understand that. All right, every day you get up and you enter the human race or the Christian race of life. Maturity, according to verse 25, is temperate in all things. And what that means is it means you don't get too high, you don't get too low. You don't get too hot, you don't get too cold. And and please understand, I'm not recommending being a lukewarm Christian. That is not what I'm saying at all. But I am advocating this morning being temperate. Um, For instance, our New Year's resolution this year, I'm going to lose 400 pounds. And some you need to, amen? Golly, pastor. That's not practical. How about losing 10 pounds? Christian resolutions. I'm going to be a missionary to the pygmies in Australia. That's good. That's not practical. How about witnessing to the guy across the street? You see, folks, what I want, there's, there's a bit of temperance that needs to enter into our thought process. You see, we say, well, well, Pastor, but we need to aim high. I understand that. But I'd like to see you aim at something that you actually intend to hit. So be temperate. You see, folks, last week I talked about the difference between a cause and a goal. My cause in life is to be like Christ. That is, that's my cause. That is what I desire to pursue. But let's face it, I got a lot of work to do to be like Jesus Christ, don't I? That's it? That's, I mean, am I really that good? I got a lot of work to do to be like Christ. That's better, but I'm still shocked that you think I'm that. I really will. I'm going to take that home to my wife. Now, that's my cause. That's what I aspire in my life to be. But I do have goals that I've set for myself that are tangible. Guys, you say, well, I'm going to be the best husband in 2013 that I could be. How about being better in the area that's needed most? Right? Your wife doesn't want you to be a perfect husband because she knows she's not a perfect wife. But what she would like you to do is she would like you to take that one area that drives her crazy and you know drives her crazy and work on it. Huh. I mean... What do you mean by that? You know what I mean by that. Be temperate. Set a goal that is realistic. Set a goal. Come on, Heather. Just grab a seat. Good night. Matt, you're going to have to train your wife a little better now. Here, come on. Set a goal, Matt. 
Now, folks, be temperate, though. Be temperate. I, she's not my wife, all right? I can get away with them things. Matt cannot. But, folks, we need to understand this because we fail in this area. We say, well, well I'm going to do this, and then as soon as we don't, we say, well, I couldn't do it anyway. Well, I, you knew you couldn't do it anyway. I'm sorry. It's like me saying at the beginning of the year, I am going to be a perfect man this year and not fall one single time, one single second is going to be wasted. Well, give me 10 minutes and I'll probably fail. Do I just quit for the year? How about being moderate or being temperate and saying, hey, this is something that I can attain to. I'm going to be the best parent in the world. How about just improve by showing up and being there? You know, dad's, your kids don't need super dad. They need the presence of their dad. That's profound, by the way. You'll appreciate that later on. But too many times in our Christian lives, we have shot for the moon, and when failure comes, we just quit. Now, how about being temperate and let the Word of God guide us through the Holy Spirit's leading? And I hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't set high goals. What I am saying is that the Holy Spirit of God teach you through his word what you should do instead of saying well well so and so they're a great christian and they do this well i'm not aspiring to be so and so i'm aspiring to be what god wants me to be and i'm going to be temperate in all things paul said i'm not going to get too high and we got these christians and it seems they 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 get on board and boy they're going to be oh we're going to be a great christian going to be a great christian going to be a great christian boom where'd they go <laughs> what happened I mean, they were riding high, you know, just last week, and now, now we haven't seen them at all. What happened? And a month goes by. Where are they? you got to be temperate. That's maturity. Maturity says, hey, failure is not the end of the world. Maturity says, hey, it's, it's okay. It's, I, I know we're going through a tough time right now in our marriage, but let's face it. You, I love you. You love me. We're going to get through this together. Yeah, I, I talked to a couple the other day and very frustrated, and they're dealing with a problem in their life. Can I tell you, there is no successful marriage, there is no marriage today that is still together that hasn't had some periods that have been rough. I'm sorry. If you don't have that in your marriage, you're not married. I'm serious. Folks, that's, that's what relationships are built on. The Bible says in Proverbs that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Man, those people that you love most sometimes are just going to tick you off and hurt your feelings and make you feel terrible. But the beautiful thing about it is you'll work through it. And it strengthens that bond. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful, it doesn't say that he's always right. It doesn't say that that friend is perfect. It just says faithful are the wounds of a friend. But hey, we worked through it together. We got past that in our life, and it's made us stronger. It's, it's, it's made that bond so much more meaningful, amen? I mean, you remember, hey, guys, you remember that first knockdown drag out you had with your wife? And afterwards, in your back of your head, you wondered, is she ever going to love me again? Right? And then you made up, made out. And you realize, I'm only talking to married folks there. But I'm, I mean it. You realize, hey, we got something worth holding on to. And we're going to build this thing. And we're going to make it work. And we're going to get strong together. Thirdly, maturity pushes forward. Maturity pushes forward. Paul says in verse 26, he, he said, I therefore run 
or so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it onto subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Maturity pushes forward. When all seems lost, just get up and go forward. When the battle is toughest, push forward. We're told in Ecclesiastes that the race is not necessarily to the swift or the battle to the strong, but to the man who drives forward. Last week I shared with you Sam Walton's legacy and the legacy of Moses. Let me share with you two other men's, one from history and one from the, the Bible, of course, history itself. This man lost his job. He lost his bid for the state legislator. He failed in business. He had a nervous breakdown. He was defeated for the Speaker of the House. He was defeated in his bid for Congress. He was defeated for his bid to the Senate. And then he was defeated for the Senate again. And then in 1860, he was elected President of the United States. And I left out all his successes along the way, but that was Abraham Lincoln. You see, Abraham Lincoln understood that you can fail, but go forward. And folks, today in Christianity, we've said, well, well, well you know, I, 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 you, you, Pastor, you, you just don't understand, you know, it's too hard to live for God. It's too hard to raise them. It's too hard to have a successful marriage. No, it's not. What you need to do is get up tomorrow morning, and you need to push forward a little bit. And my friend, that is the Christian life. The Christian life is, is, is given by Christ himself as a man that puts his hand to the plow. All you got to do is get up and get out of bed and put your clothes on and go, 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 to, go to the bathroom and brush your teeth and go to the uh, breakfast table and get some cereal and eat some breakfast and get up and you go to work and you put your hand to the plow that day and you just go forward a little bit. And some days you're going to go forward a mile. And some days you're going to go forward six-tenths of an inch. But, brother, you went forward. And, my friend, this morning, what I want to challenge you to understand is maturity says, hey, I understand the big picture. I understand what is taking place here. I get it. And today I'm going to push forward a little bit more. The second man, and this one should be very easy to figure out but he started out as a shepherd he was mocked by his own brothers very shortly thereafter he was hated by the king of that country he was hunted later on by the king of that country he was betrayed by the people in cities that he saved their lives he lived in exile in Philistia he lost all of his family and all of his possessions in Philistia he became the king he committed adultery. He committed murder. He had to fight against a rebellion that was led by his own son. And in the book of Acts, it is reiterated that he was the man after God's own heart. That's David. And my friend, what I want you to grasp hold of, and there's a lot of successes in the life of David, and I glazed over all those. But what I want you to see this morning is that man pushed forward. He had every reason to throw the towel in and quit. And my friend, I look at life, and life gives us reasons to be done. Life gives us reasons to turn around and say, I wish I'd never been born. I wish I'd never been a Christian. If you don't believe me, read the book of Job. Job looked up to heaven and said, God, I rue the day that I was born. I wish I'd never come out of my mother's womb. That was a godly man who said that. 
Life gives us reason to think that at times. But what you need to do is you need to get up and you need to get out of bed. And you need to go to the bathroom and you need to brush your teeth. And you need to go to the breakfast table and get your little muffin or get your bowl of cereal. And you need to sit down. You need to eat that thing. And then you need to get finished dressing and go to work and push forward a little more. Say, Pastor, it's hard right now. I know it's hard. Go forward. Paul said, I don't beat the air uncertainly. He said, I'm not just out there just running in every which direction. He said, I got a plan. I got a purpose. I got a goal. I have something I'm pursuing. And today is a day that I will push forward for Christ. No victory, no medal, no prize goes to the man who is a shooting star. But to the man who gets up every day and pushes forward. A marriage is not made overnight. Do you understand what I'm saying? Too many of us say, well, well you know, we, we had a really good talk. Good, good. That doesn't make your marriage good. But I, he really means it this time. That doesn't make your marriage good. Marriage is not made overnight. Anything in life worth having is not made overnight. No, it comes by pushing forward. A good child is not made overnight. Every day you've got to push forward. Christian life, the successful Christian life, isn't made overnight. It's every day getting up, going to that Bible. It's every day going to your knees and crying out to God. Getting into church is being a godly man today. And then when tomorrow comes, I start again. That's maturity. Mature, Im, immaturity says, oh, I, I want to be something special. I want everybody to notice me. Maturity says, I will do what I have to do, whether everybody is looking at me or nobody is looking at me. That's maturity. Because maturity goes back to saying, I'm a big picture person. I understand reality. I understand it isn't about me. This life is about glorifying and edifying the Lord Jesus Christ. I understand that. I want to impact others with my life. It starts with Christ making an impact in my life. But today we've pursued it one step further, and that's making an impact in others. You see, maturity, it sees the big picture. Maturity practices temperance. <laughs> last year, I think it was last May, I've had a kidney problem for 20 25 years, I don't know. Have to go in about every year to have it checked. And last year, um, the numbers weren't right. And the, the doctor, and she's, you got to love them foreign doctors. You can't understand them, they can't understand you. It's all good. You know, they're just, blah, 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 and I'm sure. So I had my wife come in because my, my wife, I don't care. You know, I figure if God's going to take me home, he's going to take me home. My time's coming sooner or later, and I'm just going to enjoy life. Now, that probably isn't the greatest attitude, but, but that's kind of how I looked at it. So my wife came back with me that day, and we talked to the doctor, and the doctor finally kind of made it clear that, that my counts were wrong and some things needed to be done. And so I started on a very small dose of a medication, and, and, but she said, she said, you need to get your cholesterol down. How dare you tell me that? I'm a picture of health and vitality. A lot of health, Amen. But I had to lose some weight. She told me I was fat. What a mean doctor. 
Which really, isn't that insulting? You're obese. Obese is, I think obese is a worse word than fat. I mean, it's a little off the topic, but seriously, I'd rather be told you're fat than you're obese. Obese sounds like you're massive. But here I am, you know, and she shows me the little chart, and sure enough, I fit all the particulars, and I tried to say I'm big boned or I'm just healthy sized, and she didn't buy a word of it. So I had to lose some weight. So I came home, and my wife and I talked about it. And i, I got to be honest with you, I, I, I would love just to be able to, you know, hook a vacuum cleaner up and just suck the weight right out, but that's not practical, amen? You know, you tried that a couple times as a kid, and it didn't work. So I had to figure out how to lose some weight. Now, I have a problem with losing weight. I really like to eat. Yes? And when you really like to eat, it's hard to lose weight. Now, the doctor gave us this list of foods that are bad, and the list of foods that are bad are all the foods that are good. Have, have any of you guys ever seen this list? And it's like, what are you doing to me? You know, I mean, the, and then the stuff they put on there that you should eat, it's like, really? You know, I'm not a canary. I'm a man. All right? So, but we went through that list, and, and we, we, what we try to do is we try to be practical. There, hey, there, there are things I love. I mean, I love chocolate chip cookies. It is the only kind of cookie that should ever be made. All right? I know some of you folks are like, oh, raisin cookies, they're good, whatever, all right? Chocolate chip cookies are the only way to go. And I love those things. And God bless my wife, she makes good ones. And I had this tendency, especially the last four or five years, I'd come home when she first made chocolate chip cookies, and they'd be hot, and there's no better kind of chocolate chip cookie. And I'd sit there, and I'd get a big glass of milk, and I'd eat, honest, and this is terrible, I'm confessing this before God and everybody, I'd eat 10 or 12 cookies. Because they were good, and they do, they just go down. You know, you just, oh. And, and, and I'm one of those people, especially when I get to talking, and I talk a lot, you know that. But, but I, I get to talking, and I can just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And so we talked about, hey, that's one, and the doctor, the doctor told me, Dr. Usha, she said, you're going to have to stop on those baked goods. And I thought, oh, man. So we talked about it, and I said, all right, Debbie, I'll eat one cookie a day, but no more. I said, I, I can't give them up totally because I love them things, and my wife's a great cook, and i got to eat one every once in a while just to know how much she loves me. And so I, I but one a day. And what we did was we tried to set practical things that we could do. Hey, I'm not going to totally give up eating, all right? I'm sorry. But what I can do is I can make some changes in my lifestyle that will help so next year my wife doesn't think I'm going to die and I'm going to get, you know, the doctor tells it to you and then you go home and then you're, what? I don't want that. So I figured I'm going to get it fixed. And by the grace of God, about three months later, I went back in, and the counts were coming back to where they needed to, and they kept me on the medication, the cholesterol stuff. I didn't have to add any more medications to it. And praise the Lord for that. And from that point till this, though I've not liked it at times, I've done my very best to stay on some sort of eating regimen that says, hey, I am going to make a decision that is practical that I can hold to. That's being temperate. Temperate wasn't saying, well, Debbie, I'm never going to eat again. Oh, come on. You know you're going to eat again. But you need to make some decisions that you can adhere to. That's making some practical goals in your life. Be temperate in your Christian life. Be temperate in your marriage. Be temperate as a parent. Be temperate as a person at work. Be temperate in your life. Paul was temperate. He said, I bring my body under subjection. He said, I am the one who makes the decisions. I am the one who makes them practical. And I am the one that adheres to that. Be temperate. And then thirdly this morning, maturity pushes forward. Sometimes in life, there's nothing you can do except get up, get clothed, go brush your teeth, go to the breakfast table, finish, get dressed, and then go to work. That's all you can do sometimes. 
but my friend, you can go forward that day. Say, I'm done. I quit. I had enough. No, 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 no. You push forward. You say, Pastor, I, I feel like I made no progress. That's progress. Did you understand that? You say, but, 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 I, I mean, there was a time in my life when I was just taking, taking bounds and steps, and my Christian life was good, and I looked forward to church, and I looked forward to my Bible, and I looked forward to praying, and I looked forward to meeting with my Christian brothers and sisters, and everything was good, and everything was easy, and I just, I just, it was, it was natural, and it was so fun. Now it's not. You push forward. Push forward. This step's a little bit harder than the other ones. That's okay. That's okay but you push forward. And my friend, that's maturity. And that's when you impact others. I promise you this, a quitter never impacted anybody positively. You say, well, uh, I've tried that Christianity stuff, but fooey on it. You're a moron. I mean that. I really do. You don't try serving God. You serve God. You say, but it's hard. Well, I know it's hard. You can't talk to anybody that's been a Christian any length of time that wouldn't say anything different. There are times in your Christian life when it feels like God ain't even there and it feels like you're looking at the biggest wall in your entire life and you say, God, I have no idea what you want me to do. He says, just push forward. Just push forward. And all of a sudden, like the walls of Jericho, God says, let me move the wall. And the wall falls flat. And you step over, and you say, thank God I didn't turn back in the midst of the fight. And my friend this morning, and I love you with all of my heart, and what I'm trying to give you the last couple weeks is because I love you. But I want to see us make an impact. Number one, starts in my life. Number two, I want to make an impact in the life of others. Hey, I, I, I want my life to count to those around me. Well, Pastor, I mean, I, you're, from, you're from Marquette, Iowa. You pastor in Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin. You know, the edge of the uttermost part of the earth, yes? I do. People say, hey, Pastor, where are you from? Prairie du Chien. Oh, where's that? Is that close to Milwaukee? No. Madison? No. We're kind of close to the Iowa border. Oh, Des Moines? No. Minnesota's about 35 minutes away. Oh, Minneapolis? No. Well, where are you? Kind of in the middle of all that. Oh, Mississippi River, that's all we got. And that's enough, praise God. But folks, my life can impact others. And I just wonder today, how about you and your life? It takes some maturity. It takes some growing up. It takes some big picture. It takes some temperance. And sometimes <laughs> it just means pushing forward. Let's go and stand to our feet. It's closed. I've not talked about salvation today. But my friend, if you're sitting in this room this morning and you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're still lost in your sin. And if something were to happen to you right now where this life would be done, you'd go out into eternity 
And friend, according to the Bible, your eternal destination would not be in jeopardy if you're without Christ. It would be lost. If you're sitting here, standing here today, my friend, you've never made Christ your Savior. You come to a place in your life where you understand that you are a sinner and that sin condemns you to hellfire. But understand that Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, died on an old rugged cross. He paid for the penalty of your sin and mine. And three days later, he rose from a grave in triumph to prove that he had paid the penalty. My friend, the choice is yours. Will you accept Christ as your Savior? You say, I'm fine on my own. My friend, many have said that, and many have gone into eternity, and they're lost. Don't you be one of them. If you're standing here today, and you're without the, the salvation that God so freely offers, would you, during the invitation, just come forward, and I'll have someone from the Bible show you how you can know you can be born again, and they'll give you an opportunity to trust Christ. You say, Pastor, I've heard that message many times. I've just never taken advantage of it. Well, today, do so. And Christian friend, can I ask you if you plan to make an impact on the life of others? The word we tried to look at today was maturity. Hey, Paul was a big picture person. He was a man that understood the importance of being temperate. He had goals. He had things in mind that he pursued, and he did. And he pushed forward. No, not all, not, Paul's days, they were not all good. But they were all days that he went forward some. My friend, I just challenge you with those thoughts. As the instruments begin to play, if the Lord's laid something on your heart, you come to the altar. How about it, friend? Verse 27, Paul said that everything he did there, he says so that when I have preached to others, he said, I myself should not be a castaway. Paul was not speaking about losing his salvation, but being disapproved of God and losing his reward.
And friend, the reason that we mature and understand that there is a big picture and the reason we do make temperate decisions and push forward is so that when we stand in front of God one day as a child, we meet him with approval and not with disapproval. Paul said, I'm doing everything I can to reach people with the gospel. But he said, the reason I, 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 the reason I, I run this race with temperance and the reason I keep my body in subjection and the reason I push forward is so that when I stand in front of my God, I meet him with approval and not as a castaway. My friend this morning, I just challenge you with those thoughts. Make an impact this year in the life of others. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer.